Certainly, it is finished. Jesus came with this mission in mind. He says, my will, my mission, my purpose for living life is to do the Father's will and to finish it. And finish it, he did. You know, he didn't bail out halfway, but he saw it through. You know, and his mission was to come to die for your sins and my sins. And not only was his work finished, the third day, the Bible says, after he died, he was buried, he rose again. And then that makes the work of God complete because today we have a risen Savior. Amen, amen. Praise God, it is finished. All that needs to be done for our sins to be forgiven has already been done. And all that needs to be done is for us to say, God, well done. And here we are, just to accept you as our Lord and our personal Savior. No amount of good works, no nothing else, no amount of preaching, no amount of nothing, you know, can take the place of what God has done for us. That Father's love, for God so loved the world, the Bible says He gave His one and only Son so that you and I can believe Him and have everlasting life. So good morning, church. Happy Easter. Blessed Easter. You know, I know where you come from. Happy Easter is not good enough. Blessed Easter is not good enough. You know, some people would say, Happy Blessed Resurrection Sunday. Amen. Oh, God. Amen. God is so good. So very good, isn't it? Today is Easter and we celebrate our resurrected Christ. You know, it's amazing how, uh, as I look at the Christian calendar, uh, even though Easter is a very important day, in fact, the most important day in the Christian calendar, yet Christmas is the most popular and celebrated. Having said that, you know, Easter is the most important holy day of the Christian calendar because without the resurrection of Jesus, you know, there would be, or Christmas would be meaningless. Okay, why is Easter the most important holiday or holy day? Let's turn to the scriptures and look at one or two passages. And I start with this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17 to 19. The Bible says, and if Christ has not been raised, if Jesus has died, and he was buried in the tomb. And after three days, he was still in the tomb. And if he's still in the tomb today, some 2,000 years later, this is what happens. He says, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have died in Christ are lost. Simply meaning, without Easter, Good Friday would not be Good Friday. Good Friday you know, would not be of any good at all. Because you and I would have believed in vain. And our faith would be fertile. You know, not of any importance, not of any productivity. Simply meaning, you know, all of our preaching is in vain, all of our belief is in vain, all of our Christianity be in vain, and of 
all people in the world, the Bible says Christians would be the most miserable lot of people. But thank God, thank God that Jesus rose from the dead and we are not miserable people, most pitied people, but we are the most joyful people, most victorious people because we serve a living God who finished that work and finished it well. And God, the Bible says, raised Jesus from the dead. Three days later, you know, God raised him from the dead. And this is exactly what 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 to 8 tells us the next scripture verse. You now, the three things here that the Bible tells us is this, that Jesus died for our sins, that Jesus was buried in the tomb, and the Bible says, and he was raised on the third day. These three ingredients, these three elements, you know, comprises the gospel message. One without the other is not complete. And so there's the death of Christ on the cross, the Good Friday. Then there was also the burial. And on the third day, the Bible says, on Resurrection Sunday, Jesus rose from the dead. This is the full gospel. And we are just thankful to God that we have a very powerful gospel, a very workable gospel, a gospel that you know, transcends even death. All of the religious leaders in the world that have ever preached and ever are preaching today and will ever preach, you know, the Bible says, you know, that all of these, and history tells us, they died. They preach, and no matter how good they're preaching, they're theologizing or theology is, yet they died. And when they died, they remain dead to now. The Bible records and history tells us, if there is one person that ever preached and rose from the dead, is this religious leader, this son of God, this man, this God-man called Jesus Christ. He preached. No, he died on the cross for our sins in our places. And then when he was buried, the Bible says, on the third day, he rose again. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! This is the Easter message, friends, that Jesus is alive. We have welcomed one another to the church this morning after a great worship session we have had, but we want to welcome Jesus because He's here this morning. Jesus is here. Hey, Jesus is alive and Jesus is in our midst right here, right now, and He is alive. And this is the message of Easter that we serve a risen Saviour. Now this morning, just before I go any further, I want to pause and let's give a big round of applause to all of the creative elements, you know, the drama, the this, the choir, those working behind the scenes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And they did what they did because, you know, deep within their heart of hearts, they know that they are serving a risen Savior. So no amount of time, no amount of sacrifices, you know, uh, is wasted. No amount of, of energy expended, you know, they are saying, you know, that we cannot do it. We can do it because Jesus did what He did. He says, it is finished. Jesus didn't bail out right in the middle of everything. He could have had, but He didn't bail out. He saw it through. That's the kind of God we have. And God will see us through those difficult situations in our lives. We call this, East, we call this weekend the Easter weekend. It starts with a Friday, Good Friday. You know, it ends with Easter Sunday, the resurrection, uh, resurrected Sunday or Resurrection Sunday. But what happens on Saturday? What do we call Saturday? Some people call Saturday a holy Saturday. Some people call Saturday uh, Eve of Easter Sunday. <laughs> Some people call uh, 
uh, Saturday even because, you know, it evens up things. Uh, but some, there are people also call this, this Saturday a Black Saturday because nothing much happens on Saturday. On Good Friday, Jesus died on the cross. He says it is finished. He came to do what he did. His missions were complete. His mission was complete or completed. And then he said, you know, uh, my, when he said, my meat, my mission is to do the Father's will and to finish it and finish it, he did. And then he was buried. And then three days later, he rose again, Easter Sunday. But what happened on Saturday? No, nothing much happened on Saturday, isn't it? There's Good Friday service, Good Friday Mass, Easter Sunday, a great celebration. Uh, but nobody holds a Saturday night service or Saturday morning service. And, and Saturday seems like, you know, okay, everything kind of stopped. What did Jesus do? What happened to Jesus after he died and was buried? What happened to the disciples? Well, at least we know what happened to the disciples. The Bible says here in John chapter 20, verse 19, it says, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked, for fear of the Jews. And we'll pause there. I'll pick up this verse later on in my message. But here they were. When Christ died on the cross, scriptures came to pass, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. And they all ran in different directions and they deserted Jesus. And then when Jesus died and was buried, the Bible says, for fear of the Jews and for fear of their lives, lest the Jews and the Roman soldiers would come after the followers of Jesus, the Bible says the disciples of Jesus, they began to hide and they began to lock the doors and they were in there for fear of the Jews and for their lives. This is what it is. Right here in the middle, it is called, you know, uh, 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 the Saturdays. The Saturdays. Uh, Saturday is not necessarily mean, uh, I'm using it in the sense of a metaphor, not referring to actual Saturday, but there are Saturdays in our lives, just like the disciples' life. You know, where we lock ourselves in because of those hard and trying times. Uh, we are all confused because the disciples were also confused. Didn't Jesus say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life? Jesus, didn't Jesus say that if you believe in me, you will never die? Didn't Jesus say, no, I'm the resurrection and the life? Didn't Jesus say that, no, no man can take my life from me. It is I who lay my life down and it is I who will pick my life up again. No, didn't Jesus say all of that and yet he was taken away by the Roman soldiers and nailed on a cruel cross, suspended between heaven and earth. We heard him cry, my father, my father, God, oh God, why have you deserted me? Didn't we hear all of that? And now this Jesus that we believe and put our faith, we, we invested three and a half years or three years of our lives. We, we abandoned our fishing trade. We abandoned our way of life. And we followed this man because he says, you know, I have, I'm the living water. I'm the light. I'm this, I'm, I'm that. 
but yet he's dead here and now. Those are those moments you know, where we begin to doubt God because we're going through a hard and difficult time. Friends, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, you know, but if we are honest with ourselves, all of us have gone through this Saturday, gone through this thicker patch in our life where we believe that God somehow has abandoned us. God somehow is dead to what we are going through in life. How do we navigate those moments and situations in my life? I tell you how, because I've had gone through difficult times and waters, every one of us have, in one way or another. I want to share with you some of the things I found useful in navigating those Saturdays, those land between those difficult times, uh, those moments when think that, you know, where is God? Those moments that, you know, uh, we face situations and challenges that's bigger than life and all our experiences in life put together. How do we navigate those difficult times in life? Number one is, those times are a time where we need to be still and know that God is God regardless. A time to be still and know that God is God regardless. Psalms 46 verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. These words were spoken by God to the people, to His people. It's spoken to you and I today. It's spoken to us in times where we are navigating those troubled waters, where we are going through a dark phase in life, where we don't see light at the end of the tunnel, and we don't know how far more the tunnel is going before we see any light at all. You know, situations are so gleam and gloom and, 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 and dark, and we don't really know if, even if God is there or not. And we're going through those difficult times, challenges that is larger than life. And you know what? In life, we have all kinds of people. And because we are different one from another, because of our makeup, because of the way we are wired, because of the way we are brought up, our backgrounds and this and that, you know, we react to problems in different ways. We navigate and we, we, we respond to that in different ways. Some people, they withdraw into a shell. How many of you are like that? You just withdraw into a shell... You know, and you don't want to talk to anybody, you don't want to talk to God, you don't want, you just shut yourself in the cave and you shut everyone else out of your world. Others, they get hyperactive. You know? Usually they are not so active, but all of a sudden become hyperactive, they go on an overdrive. And they work themselves out to that just to forget the problem, just to take their minds off the problems. Others sleep it off. How many of you are like that? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Thank you. Others just sleep it off. If you've got a problem, they just sleep. So that they wouldn't think of it. Others can't sleep. If you can't sleep, don't count sheep, talk to the shepherd. And yet others... They take it out on eating. 
Some can't eat when they have troubles. Other people, they eat and eat and eat. They eat more, actually, when they have problems. Strange, isn't it? Sometimes we run here and there. Others are deniers. Uh, no, nothing happened, nothing happened. No, no one died, no one, you know. No, no, I don't have this sickness. And yet others, you know, they just go on overdrive. But it's so important in those times just to be still. Don't panic. Don't re overreact. Just be still. Just quieten down yourself. And just know that God is still seated on the throne. To know that God is still is God. God is God regardless of our circumstances. You must always remember that. Be still and know that God is God regardless. Number two, it is a time to, to continue to keep on keeping on. See, some people, they just re go in the time of resignation. They resign. They resign from their work. They resign from living. They resign from doing the things they've been doing. Some people resign from life, and that's why because, no, that's why because of that, they take their own life. They commit suicide. People commit suicide because they do it because uh, for many reasons. Sometimes they don't shame the family because of something they have done wrong. Sometimes, uh, most of the time, because there's no more hope. If there's still a ray of hope, they would not do what they did. But always, they do it because there's no more hope. So they give up. They stop doing what they're doing. And what they did, the last act they did, stopped everything. Friends, in those times, the most difficult times, keep on keeping doing, keep on keeping on, doing the things that you have been doing. And now I found this so true. Sounds so true. You know, very recently, I received not so good news. And that week was a very, very difficult week for me, a very busy week for me. Uh, I have to fly from Ipoh to JB and a few other things I need to do. And in the midst of many activities, you know, I received not some not very good news. And all of a sudden, you know, I, I, there was this feeling of saying, let's forget it. Let's not go to JB. Let's, you know, it's like, and all of a sudden, I realized that I must find a place where I need to quieten myself. So I left that meeting. I left the dinner meeting. I, it was in a hotel. I, I found a quiet room just to be still, to know that God is God regardless. And I got to just to not hear the voices in my mind sometimes. Not, not actual voices. I don't hear actual voices. But you know how... You, you speak to yourself the negatives and so on you know, that, that you begin to... You know, I just shut all this up and just be still. And it was not long. I took about 15, 20 minutes. And then after which, I went back to the dinner. You know, don't tell, nobody knows. And after the dinner, I even went for a movie. <laughs> See, life goes on. What's the use of beating yourself down? We have got a God 
who is a mighty, a God who conquered the grave, a God who is victorious, and we are God's children. You know, His DNA is in us. God's DNA is in you, my friend. Every single one of you have come to know the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate God. He's a great, a mighty, a wonderful God. You know, and so we keep on keeping on. And that's why 1 Corinthians 15, 56 to 58, he says, let nothing move you or stop you or, or convince you otherwise. He says, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Keep on keeping on. Continue to do the things. Continue, you know, to work. Continue to do the things you've been doing. Continue to tend to your family's need. Continue, 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 continue. Because the breakthrough will come if you don't give up. Number three, a time to rely on God's grace. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10 says, but by the grace of God, this Paul writing, the Apostle Paul, he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. Look at the Apostle Paul. Who was he at the beginning when he was first introduced in the book of Acts? He was the Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was a religious leader. He was a Jewish official, so to speak, who had powers in his hands to put Christians to death. And on his way down the road of Damascus to persecute Christians, to put a stop to the one way, the way of Jesus, to stop to this, uh, stop to this movement. You know, a voice arrested his attention and he was confronted by this God who asked him this question, saw, saw, why are you persecuting me? And all of a sudden, Saul realized this was a divine encounter. This was not any ordinary encounter. And that's why he says, Lord, who are you? He knew a supernatural power, a supernatural being was speaking to him. And this voice replied, I'm Jesus of Nazareth whom you are persecuting and you can never fight me and win because you're going to hurt yourself, you will kick yourself and your leg against a stone. We can never fight God. And it was there, you know, that God had a confrontation with Saul. Saul encountered God. He was blind for three days and God sent Ananias a priest to pray for his healing, you know, and receive his sight again. And from that point on, the persecutor became the persecuted because God changed his life. He encountered this risen Savior, you know, in the midst of all of his badness. And then, as he began to change, as time went on, you know, Paul realized how bad he has been. You will never, ever know how bad you are until you encounter God. Seriously. You know, if you ever, ever say, you know, I'm generally a good man, that's why the Bible says, he who has forgiven much, loved much. The extent of our loving people and loving God is not because of the great sins we have done. So I used to think that this was when I was a younger Christian, 
Wow, he has forgiven much, loved much. So, I, I better do some bad deeds, real bad ones. You know, murder, uh, be an arsonist, set people's house on fire or car on fire, uh, uh, blow people up or something like that, and then I receive Christ, and then I can love much. No, 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 no. It is the extent, even though it's a small sin, it is the extent of you experiencing God's love, that God is so good, that you realize that if not for God's forgiveness, you know, you will not be what you are today. And so Paul says it's by the grace of God. Grace is unmerited favor. Grace is God bestowing upon our lives that which we don't deserve. You know, and when we, the day we accepted Jesus as Lord and personal Savior, the grace of God came into our lives. The grace of God began to do a work in our lives. The grace of God began to change us. The grace of God, as God begins to pour out His love into our lives, He pour out His gifts into our lives, pour out Himself into our lives. We begin to change. We begin to, to, to become more like Jesus. And Paul says, I'm what I am, not because of my own doing, but because of the grace of God. I'm what I am. Can you say, you know, that's by the grace of God, I'm what I am today. Can you believe God, that by the grace of God, you will not be, you will be better than what you are today, five years from now, two years from now, one year from now. Can you say that? We ought to be able to say that because it is the grace of God. And yet Paul continues in the words that he says, you know, and he says, uh, uh, the, the word of God, the grace of God was not without effect. He says, no, in fact, I work harder than all of them. What does it mean? Grace is a merited favor, and yet Paul says, I work harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. It simply means this, that when we are wanting God to change our lives and our situation, we don't just stand there and say, okay, God, okay, Grace, do your work. And we do a, do a, do a single thing about our lives. It takes effort, friends, to change. It's hard to love someone who has hurt me. It's hard to talk to my husband who treat me that way. But God, I believe you that I'm going to work at it that your grace is going to come true. You know, it is you and working together with God and the grace begins to take effect. Are you following me? You know, you don't just stand there and say, okay, God, you do it. You know, it is just working it out. Sometimes, feelings follow actions. Sometimes you don't feel like talking. Sometimes you don't feel like making up. Sometimes you don't feel like forgiving. Sometimes you don't feel like loving. Sometimes you don't feel like doing anything. In fact, we feel opposite. We don't even not, you know, not want to forgive. We wish we could kill that person. <laughs> but when we begin to, to work at it, to, 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 to take the first step, like Paul says, I work harder. You know, take effort. But it's not just human effort. It says, yet not I, but the grace of God that's at work in me. This grace is just amazing. It is just amazing. This amazing grace. The one we call the song, Amazing Grace. You know, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, 
But now I see amazing, amazing grace. And friends, that's what it is. And not just trusting God, just believing in His grace. And 2 Corinthians 12, 9 tells us this. Was Paul writing again later on in his life? And it was here that God began to respond to his challenges and his problems in his dark valleys and his, in, his, in his low point in his life. God says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Weakness. It was then that God, these words that God spoke, these word, this words that God spoke to the Apostle Paul was in response to his prayer. His prayer was prayed because he had a difficult situation at hand. The Bible doesn't kind of tell what it was. All the Bible says that Paul had a thorn in his flesh. Simply meaning it was a physical problem. Most commentators seem to believe it was a physical problem that he was facing. We do not know what the problem is. But as Sidlow Baxter, a, a theologian who wrote this amazing commentary on this passage, he says, Scripture reserves kind reservation. So, for, by, by not telling us what this thorn was in Paul's flesh, so that regardless of our thorns, the same grace that came down upon Paul would come down upon each one of us. I just am amazed how people are able to put you no know, words into what their thoughts are. And Silo Baxter put it so well. God reserves kind reservation by not telling us what the thorn was so that regardless of our thorn, regardless of our problem, regardless of our challenges, because your problem and mine may differ, but yet the same grace, all the same, the same grace is sufficient regardless of our problems. And so Paul prayed three times. He says, God, will you take this thorn away from me? Would you just help me? Would you just deliver me? Oh God, will you just answer my prayer in this dark moment? And God did answer his prayer. And sometimes when God answers our prayer, it may not be a yes. Sometimes it may be a no. Sometimes it may be a wait. But God says, no, my grace is sufficient for you. God didn't deliver him, but God says, I'm going to see you through. You will have enough strength and grace to navigate and go through this difficult patch and this dark area time in your life. My grace is sufficient for you. Oh, friends, the grace of God. No, it's a time to just trust the grace of God. A time to rely on the grace of God and not in our own strength. God's grace is always sufficient. One of the prayers I've been praying very much since I first talked about uh, blessed to be a blessing, our DNA, you know, is how God, the Bible says, is able to make all grace abound towards us so that at all times, you know, uh, at, at all times in all that we need, having all that we need in every occasion, we would have sufficient more than enough so that we can abound in every good word. And all of a sudden, as I was preparing the message, I realized that passage, even though it was talking about, you know, how we sow into God's kingdom, how we give, you know, God will, 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 will kind of sow back into our lives. Yet I says, God, this word speaks more than just money. This word speaks more than anything else. It speaks about my own life. And I'm saying of late, I'm praying, oh God, let your grace abound in my life. Let your grace abound in my life. And I would just urge you and challenge you, church, to join me in this prayer that you will pray says God let your grace abound in my life so that at all times in all places and all things in every situation in every occasion I would have enough 
so that I can abound in every good work. I believe that every child of God is blessed of God. I believe that every child of God that God blesses, God blessed to a point where you will have more than enough for yourself and that blessings will spill over into the people that we meet with and live with and work with and go to church with. Friends, this is the grace of God. I must close. The last is this. It is a time to learn to live our lives here on earth in the light of eternity. Live our lives here on earth in the light of eternity. So in other words, what we are saying is we all live on this earth. Nowhere else we can live. But while we are living on earth, going to work, going to school, doing this and that, meeting needs, whatever it may be, or attending the career, or hobbies, or this, or whatever it is in life, what we do every day, what we do day in, day out, you know, week after week, month after month, year after year, you know, it's a time to live our lives, not just on earth, but always in the light of eternity. So that our world, our living will not just be confined to the natural, to the physical, to the temporal. It always has a bearing into the future. Why? Because we serve a God who is called the eternal God. And there is a destiny after this life on earth, whether it's 70 years old, 80 years old, 90 years old, we just celebrated Brother Chong Chikin's mother's 90th birthday. We were there. You know, yesterday at Minkok restaurant, you know, and we were celebrating this lady's 90 and she's still walking upright. I look at her, I got so jealous. I told Monica, look at her. She got more hair than I have. <laughs> life is so unfair. 90 years old. But you know what? Regardless of how old we are, one day we will die. Time is so short. Just yesterday or day before yesterday, my sister from KL came down and so the sisters and the Yo brothers got together and we went for Makkah and we had a great time together. You know what? You'll be amazed. The older you get, you realize time is so short. The older you get, you realize the relationship is so important. And so of late, we've been coming together because I'm the last of the Mohicans, so to speak. Youngest in the family of nine. And I've seen my brother, my sisters going one by one. I said, God, must I grieve for all of them? Eight of them before I die? Maybe you take me first. You know? And so as me in the car, my sister was talking about how, you know, uh, she got this, that, and this, and so many things, one of the sisters. I said, if I die, you know, in my cupboard, uh, at a hangar or something like that, you know. Uh, and then she went a second time in case we didn't hear the first time. She says, if I die, and then I stop her in the track, I says, it's not if you die. The right thing to say is when I die. Because all of us are going to die. What do you mean by if I die? <laughs> you know, that's the truth about it, friends. We all die. But when we die, we can't take anything that we have acquired here on earth there. Seriously. Seriously. And some of us, all of us have to do this, but some of us who have been endowed with more material blessings in life, 
you ought to be thinking very seriously on your will, on what you're going to do with your money. Who are you going to give it to? I have decided, Derek Suan, are you hearing this? You know, I'm not a rich man, but I've got some blessings. You know, I'll give Derek some, I'll give Suan some, I'll give Monica some probably, but it'd be nice to me. But I'm going to spend my money on this old man. I'm going to leave everything to my children. Why would you want to leave everything to your children? Oh, the children say, oh, you're a white pastor, you preach like that. <laughs> Why do you leave everything to your children? Leave some to them. Enjoy what you have. And then invest into the kingdom of God. Invest into the kingdom of God. And some of us need to think very hard on that. And if God is speaking to you, I want you to just obey God because we can never, ever outgive God. That's the truth of the matter. And so, friends, live our lives in the light of eternity. It's so important to live our lives in the light of eternity because you know why? Because uh, um, if we just live our lives here on earth, then it doesn't make any sense at all. See, Jeff Mannion. M-A-N-I-O-N. He wrote a book called The Land Between. In this book, he references the journey and the exodus of Israel, of, 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 of the Israelites, who left Egypt to go into the promised land. So where they were, hardship, pain, slavery, you know, a difficult time in their life for 430 years, they were slaves to the Egyptian and the wicked Pharaoh. There ahead, God says, I'll bring you into a land flowing with milk and money. Oh, milk and honey. Sorry. Sorry. But at least I got some people's attention. Milk and honey. A land of blessing. But a land in between was the wilderness. Five in total where they faced all kinds of obstruction, no food, no water. And when they found water, it was bitter. You know, the hard weather, the difficult uh, extreme of weather in the day and the night, and, and so many things. And they began to murmur against Moses, murmur against and complain against leadership. God called this group of people a stiff-necked generation. And because of that, you know, those stiff-necked generation that came out of Egypt for 40 years in the wilderness, what took them just you know, a few days, probably a week, to get in the promised land, they were going in circles because they never understood God's plan. They never realized that those land between are powerful times where God works in our life. And you know what? The land between are most fertile ground for God to do His work in our lives. It's always in those hard, difficult times, the hard knocks of life, the difficult, black and dark situation of life that we go through, we learn precious lessons. And that one makes us better people for God. Even Jesus had the land between. When you think of His last seven sayings on the cross, the first three and the last three and the middle in between. 
You know, it is so powerful that Jesus started that last seven sayings on the cross by starting with Father. And the first saying and the last saying, he started with Father. Be still to know that God is God regardless. And so the first set of three, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. And then he turned to a dying thief by his side and says, today you shall be with me in paradise. And then he looked down from the cross and he saw his mother, his biological mother, and he saw John, the apostle whom he loved. And turning to these two, he says, John, your mother, take care of her. And mother, your son. And then the last three, you know, he says, I thirst. I'm thirsty. And then he say, cried out and says, it is finished. And after he said it's finished, Father, into your hands, I now command or commit my spirit. First three, last three, but in the middle, the land between, he cried out, Oh God, oh God, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Don't we cry out the same at times? It's okay to be honest with God. The God, I don't know what you are doing. God, I'm fed up of this situation. God, I feel that you have abandoned me. Jesus was honest with his God. He felt forsaken. He felt that God has turned his back and is to him and his face away from him. And it's okay to be honest with God. It's okay to be honest with God. You know, and we can be honest with God. We can be honest with God. God is a good God, a faithful God. And Jesus even had his land between. And friends, God is a good God, a great and almighty God. The Easter message is a transition from death to life, darkness to light. And I'll conclude with just two scripture verses. One is John chapter 20, verse 19 to 20. And this is what it says. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. See, by this time, Jesus has already died on the cross. By this time, it was the third day since Jesus was put into the tomb, since he died. And the disciples, for fear of their lives, in case the Jews would come and take them and put them on the cross too, they gathered together and locked all of the doors. But the Bible says something amazing. It says, while they were behind locked doors, Jesus appeared in their midst. How could that happen? If we get ashes to lock all of the doors, no one inside can go out, no one outside can come in, right? But the Bible says Jesus stepped into their midst. Why? He has got a different body, a resurrected body, a body that's not confined by space and time. It's supernatural. And He walks and steps in to the situation where they are. I want you to know, friends, there's no door that God cannot unlock. 
I want you to know, friends, there are doors that are locked. Jesus did not even have to open and unlock those doors. He will step right into your heart and situation. There are no walls that thick that God cannot penetrate through and step into your life and your situation and do a miracle in your life. God can do it again. And He will do it again. We have a God who says it is finished. He didn't bail out. And we shouldn't bail out in times of those difficult land-betweens. Friends, be still and know that God is God. Be keep on keeping on. Don't bail out. What if Jesus had bailed out? He didn't bail out. And today, we reap the blessings of His commitment of seeing through. Keep on keeping on. You know, in times of those difficulty, trust the grace of God. Pray the prayers as God. Let your grace abound in me. And God, I'm going to take your hand and you will lead me through as a good shepherd. I'm going to work with you, God. Work with me as I work with you. And see God do a miracle in your life. And then live our lives in the light of eternity. Because this is what the resurrected Christ is all about. Because, no, we will spend 70, 80 years, 90 years, whatever years on earth, but we will spend eternity with God in heaven. That's our destiny. That's our destiny, friends. Stand to your feet as the worship team come and sing this song with us. Oh, what a powerful, what a powerful, powerful truth we have that we serve a risen Saviour. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Let's give God a round of applause for His goodness, His faithfulness. It is finished. And because of that, we're going to raise a hallelujah. A hallelujah. And friends, I want you to do this, no? I, in the first service, in the second service, where we sung, this, uh, sung those choruses right at the beginning, I saw some just stood there like that and Oh, friend, we got a great God. We got an amazing God. You know, sing with us. Sing with all your heart. Raise your hand. Celebrate this risen Savior. Oh God. I think it's a great time to pray. A great time to rededicate our lives. A great time to make vows before God. A great time to make right before God. A great time to allow God to tweak and fine-tune our walk with Him. Hallelujah, oh God, oh God. Oh God, oh God. A great time to say, God, let your grace abound in my life. Oh, a great time not to feel defeated, deflated, but a great time to exercise faith and have hope in God, His risen Savior. So church, just begin to pray wherever you are. Just begin to pray for a breakthrough. Just to begin to pray that God will just change situations in your life. Never give up. Hallelujah. From death to life is our sermon. That's our message this morning. Oh God, oh God, oh God. Kuriya dalaba shekara ba 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 ba